Welcome up. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, geez. <laughs> There's the cold <clears throat> open for this week. <laughs> yeah. Welcome one and all to episode 129 of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, uh, a little sense of normalcy in college football uh, and maybe... A little bit of the uh, intrigue and surprise is, is finally settling down. And and the teams we expected to be kind of near the top are, are hanging around at least. Uh, but before we get to that, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, as you said, the Buckeyes won uh, another easy one. So two in a row. So to me, that's the sense of normalcy returning to my Saturdays uh, where I can rest easy while they blow out a, a weakling opponent and watch some other important games. So uh, I'm glad to have that back because, uh, you know, it's it's tough when you have to sit there and watch your team play Tulsa for four full quarters just to, because, you know, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> and uh, we got, a, got rid of a couple of pretenders, which was nice this week, teams that you and I had questions on. Um, coming in, and, and they were just completely blown out. Um, and and it made for, I think, an easier time kind of setting our top five this week because nothing really changed except we now have what I think is an interesting debate at number five. But let's, let's break it down. Uh, obviously, Alabama stays at number one. They're... They just completely controlled Ole Miss, and and while Matt Corral wasn't bad, um, he didn't look like QB one type of material either. No, and and I think we're going to talk more about Matt Corral later on the uh, Patreon show this week, right? Correct. So, um, so we won't we won't talk too much about that game, but you know, Bama pretty much cruised over. Ole Miss, and I think we both said we thought Ole Miss would cover after Bama played a, a little tighter against Florida earlier in the year. That wasn't the case. Bama dominated the whole way through, and that was another game where if you were flipping between games, it was pretty safe early to switch uh, to something more competitive. Um, certainly not more competitive, though, was the Georgia-Arkansas game. Yeah, and in this one, I was – confident in Georgia I just their defense is phenomenal and they once again kind of showed that while we have plenty of questions on their offense overall their defense is probably I I won't even say probably it's the best in college football at this point I don't think there's a question about that and and it started with that week one game against Clemson that they won 10 to three. We didn't really know how much Clemson's offense was going to struggle this year. We, we, we really thought that was a true testament to Georgia defense. But the difference is while Clemson's offense has continued to struggle and uh, have a hard time scoring points, Georgia's defense has not continued has not struggled at all. I mean they, they've continued right along shutting people down. So even on Saturday they're, they were playing a ranked team in Arkansas a team that had just beaten Texas A&M the week before, and they were uh, Georgia was playing with the backup quarterback. 
you know, JT Daniels was a late scratch because of an injury. So Georgia had no problem. They just ran it down Arkansas's throat and stopped Arkansas on every score drive that they tried to, to start. And it was just a, it turned into a breezy win for the Bulldogs. Those teams are clearly the top two. And then to kind of entice or, or discuss, you know, a little later, we're, we're going to discuss um, our our playoff teams and kind of revisit the playoff teams. But those teams are clearly the top two. And, and one of those teams is going to have a loss by the end of the year just because they obviously have to play one another in the in the SEC championship game. Our next two teams play this weekend. And I can't remember a non SEC game that featured two top five teams that wasn't either a last regular season week rivalry game or a conference championship game and this week we get number three Iowa hosting number four Penn State and we had some questions about Iowa Um, both of us were a little nervous heading into that game not that they would win but whether or not they would cover the three and a half point spread and they not only covered they made it look easy yeah, they went on the road in, at night in primetime, and they just dusted Maryland. It wasn't even close. And uh, their defense is continuing to play spectacularly. You know, well, Maryland might be a bit uh, fraudulent now that we've seen them play a tougher opponent. But uh, still, you know, you, you had uh, Talia Tagovailoa come in. With no, with one interception on the year, he threw five in the game, and and it was five different Iowa players that got an interception. Their defense is legit, and uh, we are going to preview that Iowa <clears throat> and Penn State game more in depth on the Patreon show later this week. But it's important to note Iowa is going to be the home team, and we have talked about in the past what a tough place Kinnick Stadium can can be to play. So, you know, Penn State creates those uh, tough environments, especially for traveling, for if you're traveling there for a night game. But uh, Kinnick is going to be live and uh, ready to go, even though this one's not going to be a night game. Penn State rolled over uh, Indiana. Indiana's been probably one of the bigger disappointments this year. But they handled business in a, what I would say, as much as you can call it a lackluster 24-0 win, it was, you know, it was kind of that handle your business before the big game type of, it, it seemed like. Would you not agree? Yeah, they, they last year, remember, Indiana beat them and beat Penn State in overtime, and that kind of kick-started Indiana onto having an above-average season from their standpoint, like one of their better seasons in recent memory. And uh, now we're seeing just how, big of an effect that the COVID uh, 2020 season really had in terms of, you know, now this year you have a lot more normalcy when it comes to schedule, when it comes to crowds and things like that, that we didn't have in 2020. So a team like Indiana, they really kind of had their shot last year when things were out of whack for these other bigger programs. 
but Penn State just seems to have dusted that year off. You know, they brushed it off, and they've gone on, and they've they're off to a really hot start. So Saturday's game is going to be a great one, and uh, you know, must watch TV no matter even if you, the other teams that you root for are playing. You're going to want to have this game on at least on a second screen. Finally, a debate that it's really hard to make a decision for me. And, and I'm, I'm interested in your take. We didn't talk about this. I think I would have Cincy as the number five team in the country right now over Oklahoma, who would probably get the nod at the sixth spot just because they still are undefeated. And they seem to be playing slightly better. Um, how would you rank those two? So I'm going to be a little bit of an elitist on this because, yes, OU has three tight wins, and they were over West Virginia, Nebraska, and Kansas State. Um, but I would have had Oklahoma ranked over Cincinnati going into last weekend, and you, you do have Cincinnati. They had two uh, tough out-of-conference games as a group of five team, and that was at Indiana, at Notre Dame. They took care of business, but again, Indiana's not the Indiana of 2020. And that game was tight pretty much throughout the game. As they, uh, Cincinnati was really impressive, I thought, going into South Bend and beating, beating the Irish on Saturday. But it's not enough to, for me to say, well, if I had Oklahoma ahead of them going into last week, that they can now leapfrog Oklahoma, who also won. So I'm going to keep Oklahoma at five for now. And what's the thing about UC is in order to get into that top five or maybe even into the top four, they have to run the table at this point because now it's all conference games in a group of five conference. Oklahoma can probably afford to lose one and still have a shot to at least finish ahead of Cincinnati in, in the standings. But you've got, uh, you know, I think – Cincinnati will run the table. I could see Oklahoma losing a couple games. So they could end up flip-flopping. But for now, I've got to go with the Power 5 team that's still unbeaten, even though some of their games were kind of nail-biters. And and really, it's not Cincinnati's fault. It's more like Indiana's fault. Because if Indiana was any good, it would have been a tougher decision for me. But as it was right now, not, not too tough for me to keep OU over over uh, UC for right now. Yeah, and I think UC right now is just playing better, uh, but you're completely correct. They're going to have to win out and, and you know, I think be really impressive. And, and that takes us to our next question or and next quick, topic. Real quick before we do that. Um, Think of it this way, too. Every conference team, every conference game for Cincinnati is going to be the playoff game for the team they're playing against. So if you think about it that way, they're now, you know, people are like us are talking about, oh, they should run the table in this group of five conference. Every other team knows that people are talking like that, and they're going to put their own to taking them down. Exactly, and it's going to be you know it's going to be a lot for them to get there. Um, let's let's move on to 
Well, the playoffs, and, and we, we had our playoff teams heading into the season. Uh, we're going to kind of reevaluate that and and look at what the, the four teams are going to be. And I think right now, you and I, and again, we didn't discuss this ahead of time. We like to kind of just go into this, but we, I think, both agree that barring something crazy happening, we are going to see both Georgia and Alabama in the in the playoffs this year. Well, I I will at least say this: we're not going to see Clemson. I don't think. So that was one team that we thought was going to cruise into the uh, ACC championship and get their typical playoff spot. But I do agree that Bama and Georgia are on track to just face each other as undefeated in the SEC championship game. And then I don't think you can hold one outside of the playoff, whoever loses that game. So there's going to have to be a major upset where one of these two teams will have to lose a separate regular season game and then lose again in the SEC championship game. And even then, you're going to have people lobbying to put both teams in, depending on how that other loss occurs. So uh, right now, I don't see – right now, these two teams look like they're unbeatable unless they play each other in the best, like, three out of five series. So, you know, do we need a playoff or do we just let these two teams uh, duke it out a few times? The Big Ten, barring an upset, is going to get one team in. And and it's going to either be Iowa um, or Penn State or your Ohio State Buckeyes. Or Michigan? They're still undefeated. Uh, I guess, yeah, They're I guess Michigan. D- and that's why I said, I, I feel like there's a big a Big Ten team is going to make uh, the uh, the college football playoffs. I just, I don't know who it is. You've got two teams in the Big Ten East, Michigan and Penn State, both undefeated. And then you have Iowa in the Big Ten West that's undefeated. Um, but I feel like if... If uh, Ohio State wins out, they're in. And then, obviously, if any of the undefeated teams win out, they're in. Right. So that And it, and they can't possibly – if Ohio State runs the table, the other teams can't go undefeated because Ohio State's going to be playing Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State in the regular season. And then they would have to face – even if Iowa runs the table, they'll have to face Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So – Right now, Ohio State is back up to seven. After losing to Oregon in week two, they've handled their next uh, three opponents. They play Maryland this weekend. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. But they are in good position to get right back into this, even as a one-loss team. Thing is, they, they still have to, you know, they still do have to play Penn State. They still have to play Michigan State at home. Um I think they'll likely jump the loser of the Penn State-Iowa game this weekend if, uh, as long as provided they beat Maryland handily. And then Ohio State does have that, does finish up the season on the road at, at Ann Arbor against Michigan. And we didn't see the rivalry game last year. Ohio State has won every time. Uh, the last time they lost that game was 2011. But Michigan's defense is really tough. And... Um, Ohio State's defense was really porous 
at first. So the, uh, the question is, has, has Ohio State's defense found its groove, or are they just feasting on cupcakes in Akron and um, this past weekend at Rutgers? And the thing is, they destroyed Rutgers, who had just played Michigan in a tight game. I don't really think you can, can judge it like that, but to me it looks like Ohio State's defense is starting to find its way. And if I was to place a bet for the rest of this season, I do think Ohio State can win out in the Big Ten and get into that playoff. Um, certainly they don't have an easy road, though, and I would, I would really be interested to see an Ohio State-Iowa Big Ten championship game. The Big 12 is Oklahoma, but it's interesting to keep an eye on their game this week. And again, if you want to, if you would like to hear what we have to say about that, we'll be talking about the uh, Red River shootout on our Patreon episode this later this week to preview Oklahoma, Texas. But I guess you could make a case for Texas if they went out, right? And then, obviously, Oklahoma's in if they went out. Um, and then there's still the Oklahoma State thing. And, and obviously, they're going to play all these teams. Uh, Oklahoma State plays Texas next week. And then Oklahoma State plays Oklahoma the last game of the season. So, we could you know, theoretically have three contenders, but they all do play one another from the the Big 12 that are likely to make this um, this year, right? Oklahoma, to me, has to run the table to get in. I, I, don't, I don't know that, the, that they've played a strong enough, that they've played str- strongly enough to uh, garner consideration if they're, even a one-loss team, although it will just depend on how other teams go. But if you're talking about the Big Ten champs in and uh, two SEC teams are in, we're not gonna, it doesn't look like we're going to have an ACC team this year. So you've got a real three-way fight going on between Big 12, Pac-12, and Group of Five if Cincinnati runs the table. Um, does the committee keep a an undefeated Cincinnati out this time if you have a one-loss Oklahoma. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they do. Um, but I also think Oklahoma, with with the teams they have on, Texas, TCU, Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, those teams are have all been playing. I'm sorry, not Kansas State, Iowa State and uh, Oklahoma State. They've got a chance to lose one or two of those games, and then they still – you know they might ha- have the uh, Big 12 championship, so they're not playing well enough for me to to think that they're going to uh, have another undefeated season. If they can slog their way through this and find their way offensively and get back to the Oklahoma that we've seen in the years past, then they will get in. But uh, I think the Big 12 has their work cut out for them, and uh, we'll see. You know, if Texas goes and and uh, trounces Oklahoma this weekend we could have a new conversation on our hands that leaves the Pac-10 or Pac-12 I always forget what they are they seem to have eliminated themselves 
But I guess if you get a one-loss Pac-12 team, in theory, you could make a case for, you know, an Oregon, maybe an ASU, because they have only lost once, you know, and if they run the table, um, you're, you're obviously going to have that argument similar to the Big 12. Um, but my question would be, would, if, if say, say Iowa wins out and then loses to Ohio State in the, in, in the Big Ten championship game, in my mind, I, I would rather take Ohio State and Iowa over Ohio State and Oregon or Arizona State, which are really the only two. I mean, Oregon State technically at 4-1, and one, but really it's either Oregon or ASU. Um, yeah, would I you not agree loss- with that sentiment? Well, I think a one-loss Oregon team that wins the Pac-12 is in because because of the win against Ohio State. And, and then you'd have them running through their, their Pac-12 schedule after the Stanford loss. So I think a, a one-loss Oregon team gets in. What would be really interesting discussion is do you have a one-loss Oregon, um, a one-loss Oregon Pac-12 champ, a one-loss Ohio State Big Ten champ, and a one-loss Oklahoma Big 12 champ, and then a one-loss Iowa runner-up, and then an undefeated Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, a lot of wild stuff can happen. Um, it'd be really unlikely for all of those things to fall into place, but you'd have these two powerhouse teams, and then you have this this kind of uh, trough of, of four other teams or four or five other teams that might be deserving and might have a good case of their own. But I, I really do think it's most likely if a one-loss Ohio, if one loss Ohio State and a one-loss Oregon uh, both winning their conferences, I think they get in over a one-loss Oklahoma and a one-loss Iowa that doesn't win its conference. So that's just my opinion today, looking at, at how these games, how these teams have played and how these games have gone. Um, I think the committee is is going to weigh that if Ohio State finishes up without losing again and Oregon finishes finishes up without losing again, that game's going to carry a lot of weight, right? That right. Two it, game. It, that win is, is going to be big for Oregon. So, uh, but they have to win every game that they're going to play on Saturday. They didn't look like a team that that's going to do that, but. We could have said the same thing about Ohio State after week two, and they look like a different team three weeks later. Let's end this conversation with, is there any way a group of five team makes it? I guess the only real contenders at this point are um, Cincy and and maybe Coastal Carolina. So this is what I I put down, uh, because I thought about this question earlier. For Cincinnati to get in, they have to be unbeaten. And you're going to have to have like Oklahoma, Oregon, and Iowa all with two losses apiece. Because I think if any of those teams finishes this year with one loss, then they get in over Cincinnati. And I did forget to mention BYU as well. 
and BYU and Coastal Carolina will play in the other some other uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Because okay. I don't think either one of those teams is playing a tough enough. Uh, you know, Cincinnati had those two uh, Power Five games on their schedule, and I think that those games over those games would supersede anything that's on BYU and Coastal schedule. But so not B- not to take anything away from those teams; they're playing good football right now. I, I will say BYU beat Utah, which isn't impressive this year. The more Arizona State wins, the more it helps them. Yeah. They also have uh, Baylor and Virginia on and USC on their schedule. So that's that's good for them, but I don't think any of the you know Baylor's been playing well and they lost. But the thing is that they're coming from behind, and you always have to think about that. The pollsters have kind of set the order right, right now, and. You know, I know when the the rankings come out later in the season, it could change things. But you still, it, it's hard if Cincinnati's already up there ahead of you. It's going to be, and they keep winning and winning. How can you really justify BYU jumping them? No, that's a fair point, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's tough for a group of five. To your point, you have to start out either extremely high, like Cincinnati this year. Or you have to have a lot of teams that lose. And and I will say, this is the year, and we talked about that at the beginning, this is the year it feels like it could happen because of, you know, Iowa, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, Penn State, all these teams having to play each other still. So all of that, you know, and we could talk about this for hours because all these teams have question marks. You know, you've got question marks at quarterback here, passing game, you know, as a whole in, in Michigan, um, defense at Ohio State. They're just, you know, it, is Rattler playing well enough for Oklahoma? Does Iowa have enough offensive fire firepower to balance with their great defense? All of these question marks, it, it could really get chaotic and fun. But even, you know, Going back to what I said, for Cincinnati, who's already ahead of these other group of five teams in the polls, it has to be the perfect storm for them to get in. So for Coastal or BYU to get into consideration, it would have to be, you'd have to have some crazy, crazy two and and maybe even three loss scenarios because it's going to be tough. You know the committee is thinking with dollar signs and it's going to be tough to squeeze one of those teams into a playoff over any of these Power Five conference teams that we're talking about. We've got two really, or sorry, three really important games this weekend, uh, or before this weekend, I should say. Sorry about that. We've got three really important games, one on Thursday, two on Friday. Number 15, Coastal Carolina takes on Arkansas State. Not... Not expecting an upset there. Uh, Coastal Carolina is favored by 16.5 on the road. They're they're that good this year, right? To beat Arkansas State by 16.5? Yeah. On the road. You know, I don't know if uh, a road game in the Sun Belt on a Thursday night's the same kind of, of hostile atmosphere as you're going to see in some of these uh, Big Ten SEC matchups. 
But uh, not to take anything away, Arkansas State's going to, you know, th- this is a big game for them. It's a huge upset if they can pull it off. I just don't think they can. Coastal's been playing really well for two years, and they've got a lot of offensive firepower. You know, Grayson McCall, they're, I think he's their redshirt sophomore quarterback, and he was 13 for 13 passing last weekend. And on the year, he's completing 80% of his passes with uh, 10 touchdowns, only one pick. They've got Javon Hiley, the big-time receiver. He's got uh, 24 catches for 499 yards and four TDs already this year. And they've got Isaiah Likely, their tight end as well. And then uh, defensive lineman or defensive end Jeffrey Gunther. And he's kind of more of a he's kind of a jack of all trades defender for them, but he's a big guy and uh, a playmaker for that defense. So Coastal has a lot of talent that is projects to NFL. And uh, I'm not sure that Arkansas State has the firepower this year. On Friday, we get Temple at Cincinnati. Um, I believe Temple upset somebody this weekend, did they not? Yeah, they're 3-2 and two coming in into this uh, game. So that was uh, when I researched uh, Temple and just kind of briefly looked into their yeah, they roster. Beat, they beat Memphis on, on Saturday. Right. So, so this is a these are conference games now for Cincinnati, and this is what Memphis, you would have said going into last weekend, is one of the tougher conference opponents that Cincinnati might have to face. And here they lost to Temple. And now Temple comes on the road to Cincinnati, and they're almost 30-point dogs. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised a bit. You're the gambler here. Um, is Cincinnati going to cover 29 and a half? That, uh, just based on what they've done this year, it feels like way too much. Um, I mean, 30 points is a lot anyways, but the fact that they've, I mean, they've won games this year, but to your point, like you said about Indiana, that wasn't an impressive win. Um, you know, their win against, uh, against Notre Dame was impressive, but you look back, they, they beat Murray State and Miami of Ohio by 35, and then Cincinnati, or they only beat Indiana by 14, and obviously Notre Dame's a much better team, but they only won that one by 11. They haven't beat anybody that's any good by what I would say is a, a large margin. 30 points so is a lot. And yeah, coming the question off, is, is Temple any good? Yeah, that's a fair question. I think they're better than Indiana. Mm, I don't know about that. I just just from the talent that's on the roster. I know Indiana hasn't played well, but they still I think have more tra- translatable NFL type of players on their on their roster, top to bottom. Um, you know, I have I have seen very little at Temple, and the thing about Cincinnati that sticks out to me is I don't feel like their offense has fired on all cylinders at all yet this year. Uh, you mentioned the Murray State game; they started slowly in that game. I remember texting you when it was still tied. Yeah, at halftime. Yeah, and uh, they they blew them out in the second half. Um, But I feel like I'm going to say that I think Cincinnati is going to be galvanized by their two tough non-conference road games, and I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to thrash Temple at home in front of their adoring fans. Uh, They've got the better quarterback and, and Desmond Ritter. There's a lot of debate about how good of an NFL prospect he is, and we won't really get into that today. But nine touchdowns through the air, three rushing TDs. 
Jerome Ford was, a, I think, a five-star. He's a transfer from Alabama. He's their running back, five and a half yards of carry, and six touchdowns already this year. We're still waiting for MyJ Sanders to get a sack, but maybe it happens this week. But I'll, you know what? I'll, I will take Cincinnati giving Temple 29 and a half. I'll take Cincy in this one. Yeah, I'm going to take Cincy. I just think Temple covers it. I think they're going to win something like 35 to to 7. Um, I'll go with something more like 50 to 17. If, if their offense, like you said, had done anything since really the second half of week one to, to be really good, um, it, it would be different, but, you know, and I know Notre Dame's defense is pretty good, so that's, you know, I I can see where you want to take the points, and, and quite frankly, I don't blame you. Um, 30 points is a lot, though, man. Yeah. Jeez. I'm calling it, though. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm saying they're going to cover. Cincinnati's going to win and cover, and Ritter's going to have a, a Desmond Ritter game that's going to have draft Twitter a buzz. Uh, Stanford visits ASU coming off their big upset over Oregon. Um, this feels like a weird team, this Stanford team. You've got them on the season. Uh, you know, they get just drubbed by Kansas State. Um, embarrassingly, 24 to 7. That was week one, though, right? Get over that pretty quick. Let's throw out they, week one and two altogether. <laughs> they beat they beat USC handily. They beat Vanderbilt handily, uh, and then they get beat by UCLA at home. But then they come back and, and win over you know then number three Oregon. Now they're going to Arizona State on a Friday night. Uh, Arizona State's getting. 11 and a half, which feels like a lot, but that ASU win was actually impressive against UCLA. Yeah, I think we, we've talked a lot about UCLA, and we have respect for their um, the players on that team, their ability, and we thought this would be a year where they kind of break out, and they kind of sort of still are because they, they were – set to be like at the bottom of the Pac-12 and then they started out hot kind of surprising people and now they've, they've lost a couple of tough ones but um, Stanford after last weekend's win to be still 11 and a half point underdogs that's tough for me even though it's a road game for them their quarterback has 11 touchdowns and zero picks his name's Tanner McGee McKee sorry and they have two receivers who are producing? Who are both six foot three or taller, and that's uh, Elijah Higgins, the junior, and Bryson Tremaine, the senior. So that is, I think, that is a tough matchup for ASU's defense, and I think that you could see Stanford keep it close with some downfield passing because they've got those two guys that are going to be matchup problems. You know, we we talked about Rashawn White. The running back for ASU, he's having a good year. Eight touchdowns rushing and a touchdown receiving. Nine total touchdowns. Really good. Um, and Daniels has, has protected the ball pretty well. Well, actually, he's got three picks. But he's moving the ball pretty well. But he's not um, – his, his TD to interception ratio is not the greatest. Um, I think 
ASU to win, Stanford to cover here. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think this is going to be one of those 35, 20, 25, 27 games where ASU wins, everybody's okay with it, but it's not the performance you were expecting. Um, and then you had a hot take for us tonight, huh? Well, I wanted to first say that my Hamlin Pipers are are at home this week, 3-1 and one on the year after winning last weekend against St. Scholastica. They take on 3-1 and one Bethel, so go Pipers. But I do have a hot take, and uh, it was a hot topic, actually. This gentleman was playing very well. He's now got 19 touchdowns and only one interception on the season, and that's Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett. And uh, Dave Damashek tweeted while Pickett was in the middle of a good game. I wrote about him, by the way, on Patreon this week. That's on the generational tier, so check that out. But uh, Dave Damashek tweeted, Is this guy an NFL starter? Getting better almost every week? A first-round pick? And CBS Sports draft, draftnik supreme Chris Trapasso he retweeted Dave Damashek and he said, I will not be shocked if he goes in round one. As of now, the NFL likes him more than most of draft Twitter. Well, draft Twitter is starting to like him a lot too, by my estimation. We had a um, favorable tweet from uh, PFF, uh, along with Chris C- from CBS. We had uh, Pro Football Network was talking him up, as well as the Draft Network. They put him, I think, as their sixth-ranked quarterback their uh, quarterback writer, Chrissy Freud, put him as their sixth-ranked quarterback ahead of Spencer Rattler this week. So it seems to me that not only, maybe not only, does the NFL like Kenny Pickett, but the draft Knicks certainly do too. However, my take is that I think Chris has it the other way around. I'm not doubting what he's heard from people that are connected with the league, but I think ultimately it will be the draft Knicks who like Kenny Pickett more than the NFL. Reason being, Kenny Pickett has a couple of of uh, red flags that you see that usually hold quarterbacks back from being high early uh, first round picks or even first round picks. Uh, one of the issues is he reportedly has uh, hands that are about eight inches, and the normal size for hands that the NFL looks for for a quarterback nine and a quarter. That's usually the minimum. Uh, Kenny Pickett's also turning 24 years old in June. Now, somebody asked me the other day, how old was Joe Burrow when he got picked? Well, that's a good question. Burrow was 23. He turned 24 uh, in December, early December last year at the end of his rookie year. I might also note that that, uh, he had small hands as well, nine-inch hands. Um, Joe Burrow is kind of an outlier to go number one overall. He's also... A guy who set uh, SEC records, who took LSU to an undefeated championship season, and a guy who was recruited to, and uh, played briefly at, at Ohio State as well. So two blue blood schools chased Joe Burrow, and uh, he found a starting job there at LSU and ultimately won a national championship and a Heisman Trophy. I don't think I, I think he's an outlier. I don't think it's fair at all to compare the situation to uh, Kenny Pickett. Again, Pickett turns 24 in June. Burrow played a whole season before he turned 24. So that is a difference. And um, 
You know, Carson Wentz was another guy. He was 23 when he was picked and turned 24 at the end of his rookie year. But again, different situation, guy with more uh, traditional NFL size. You know, Pickett, I'm not trying to take away from the guy, but I think you've got a couple factors there that are already just on the surface level suggesting that he's not going to be a first-round pick. Now, could he be a day-two pick? No, I don't I don't doubt that because we have seen the uh, the hype build, and, and especially among the guys that do the all-star games, and that draws eyes, and then the people start talking themselves into a guy like Davis Mills, for example. We heard he might be a first-round pick. We heard at one point Tom Savage might be or even Jeff Driscoll. So, Kenny Pickett, uh, having a great year. He looks like a good player. He's keeping their offense on schedule. He He's uh, throwing with a lot of accuracy. In fact, he's completing by far the about 10 points above his career completion percentage. And his 19 touchdowns are already well over his career high. That was 13 coming into the year. Guy's having a great year. Not trying to take away from him. Just trying to simply point out that there are a couple of flags on his profile already that suggest that he, he would not be a first-round pick. You know, you just don't see. Now, somebody's going to say, well, what about Brandon Whedon? Okay, well, like I said, outlier. So maybe I'll be wrong, you know. And if I am, great for Kenny and, uh, and his bankroll. Exactly. That's it from us tonight. Make sure you check out our Patreon. We've got a new episode coming up this week where we preview the big Saturday games, talk about the prospects. We're also going to get into kind of the long conversation about quarterbacks again uh, because, well, this has been a disappointing year for quarterbacks, has it not? Uh, so we'll discuss that and and more as we uh get to our patreon episode this week uh if you want to subscribe you can find us the patreon link in both of our twitters i'm at scoxfb he's at afc the number two nfc uh thanks for listening as always and we'll be back next week with another free episode have a great night everybody We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Sure. Exactly. <laughs>